Let's clap to the cornerstone of our faith, Jesus Christ. Good morning. Good morning. Go ahead and grab a seat. Grab a seat. Grab your Bibles. You can start turning with me to the book of Hebrews. We'll be uh, camped out a little bit there. We'll be looking at some other scriptures this morning, but we'll be in Hebrews mostly this morning. Thank you for being here. What an incredible day. What a great day to worship the Lord. Amen. We're so we're gathered here to, together just to lift up praises to his name. And uh, I got to tell you something, EVC, happy birthday. 15 years ago, we planted Eagles View Church. And so I celebrate that. It has been a marathon. It's been a, it's been a race that we've been in. And we're starting a new series today called Go the Distance. The songs that we've been singing, really, we, we, they're strategic songs. They, they speak a lot about where we've been over the, over the past 15 years as a church. We're so thankful that God was able, he is able, he will be able, amen, to take us into the next things that he calls us to do. And we certainly know this, that Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of our faith, amen? Everything else is built upon the cornerstone of Jesus Christ. Without Jesus, none of this matters. And so we're so thankful for that and thankful for for all that God has done in the last 15 years and You know, the big question now is, what does God want to do in the next 15 years? What does he want to do with Eagles View Church? We're excited as we start this new journey together, and it's our desire, our heart's desire as your pastors to know this, and we say this with complete uh, authenticity and, and transparency. I want you to understand this, that we want this journey that we are about to, to begin together to be so much more than just being about raising some funds for a building. I mean, it's got to be more than that. Amen? That's what we are about. That's what we've always been about as a church. We've never been about a building when we were meeting in the homes and meeting in in schools. And we've never been about a building being here. We don't want to be about a building moving forward. We see buildings simply as tools. They're tools that we utilize to be able to make to, to minister and do ministry within our community. We see it as a hub for ministries, reaching people all over our community and even around the world as we've been able to reach out over the last 15 years all over the world. And so we just want you to know this is not going to be just simply about raising funds, although that's going to be a part of it. And I'm not ashamed to say that because I deeply believe in what it is that we're doing. You guys, if you've been around here for any amount of time, you know this, that that we are not high-pressure guys. I'm not a high-pressure pastor. I trust the Holy Spirit to speak to you. I trust that he will lead you in doing whatever needs to happen as we move forward. But we're excited about this and we want this. We're calling it go the distance vision. We want it to be so much more than a fundraising campaign. We want it to be spiritual renewal for our church. We want it to be spiritual renewal for every person who calls themselves a member of Eagles View Church where you're where you're spiritually renewed in the process. Where maybe if you're a little bit dry spiritually, or maybe you've grown complacent, or maybe you're going through the motions, maybe God would really challenge your heart in the midst of this. And and whether you ever give a, a, a nickel or not to what we're doing going forward, our prayer is that you would be spiritually revitalized. That you would be challenged to go the distance in your faith. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. So we are launching out today together at the starting line. And a beginning of a new journey for us as a church, but also we're launching out together. And when you run a big race, I love, I love this. Whenever you're, when you're starting a big race, you're literally in a corral with, with hundreds, if not thousands of people, depending upon how big the race is. And you're in this corral. And I love the energy in that. 
My friend John, he loves it too. We love that atmosphere. We love the excitement. We love that everyone seems at least at the beginning of the race to be in a really good mood, okay? I mean, everyone's in a good mood. Everyone is excited. You see people, they're, they're jacked up and ready to go. And, and I love that you're, you're with hundreds, maybe thousands of people all preparing yourself together to do this, this thing together, this, this big venture. And yes, you're running individually But I love the anticipation in the corral of waiting for the gun to go off. I love that, man. And it's like you're caged up and you're just, you're raring to go. And and, and the excitement that goes along with this. And you're you're doing the race together, but everyone is also going to be running their individual race. Feeding off the energy of one another. Man, I love it. I'm ready to run right now. I'm ready to go. I just have to know. Does anybody else get excited about running? Would you raise your hands? Anybody? Okay, there's one, two, all right, a couple of you. That's what it was like. I fully was expecting the crickets to be chirping whenever I asked that. I'm a little bit of a weirdo, okay, that I get excited about that. Most people don't. They see it as punishment, okay? But but some people actually do get excited about this. Maybe you'll relate more to this one. Does anybody get excited about running to the refrigerator? Would you raise your hands, all right? I knew that there would be more of you out there, and I also totally relate to that as well. All right. But 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 here's the thing. I love this story. There's a story that that I that I heard about. And this story is is a true story. In 1968, in the Olympics, as they were held in Mexico City, the last runner to finish the marathon was a guy from Tanzania. And his name was John Stephen Aquari. And he was an incredible runner. He was an elite athlete. And due to the high altitude, he'd been he hadn't been training quite in the altitude that was in Mexico City there. But at the beginning of his 26.2-mile race, he started cramping up very early on in the race. Now, to make matters worse, that's not what you want to have happen when you've got 26 more miles to go. But that wasn't bad enough. Now, check this out. At the 12th mile, not at the 24th mile, at the 12th mile, he wasn't even halfway finished yet, he collided with another runner and he fell down, badly cutting himself up. But here's the big thing dislocated his knee, dislocating his knee, scraped himself up really bad, injured his shoulder. I mean, he wore himself out. Now, you'd have thought somebody that dislocates their knee, they would just stay down. They're done, right? I mean, I, I most likely would be done. Uh, not, n- not this guy, not a quarry. He gets back up. He wouldn't quit. He kept running his race. He was hurting enormously. You know, for anybody that's run any kind of race, you know how just the toll it takes upon your body just from the race itself. But now he just determined that he was going to press on, putting one foot in front of the other. And when all the runners had finished their race at least an hour before he finished, He entered into the stadium, and this is real footage, entered into the stadium, uh, and and there had been 100,000 people that were there. Most of them left because they thought the race was over. There were only about 7,000 people that stayed in the stands there, and they saw the sirens go off. They thought they were about to leave too. They didn't realize that there was one last guy that was running his race, and and when the sirens were going off and the police lights were flashing, he, he was literally, as you see, limping to the finish line. He was barely able to walk until the crowd started cheering, and then and then he had that energy just to press on and, and get all the way to the end and finish the race, the last 400 meters of his race were agonizing, but I, I know that must have been an incredible experience for him. 
He's bandaged up, dislocated knee. And when it was all over, he was asked by a reporter, why didn't you quit? Why didn't you give up? I mean, it must have been agonizing and running with those kinds of injuries. And, and, and certainly when you run a race like that, it's even lonely out there, especially if you're all by yourself and you know how far you've got to go. And he said, how, how is it that you didn't quit? And, and he gives this classic response in this interview. He says this, my country did not send me 5,000 miles around the world to start a race. They sent me 5,000 miles around the world to what? Finish the race. And I was going to finish it. Man, I love that. That is incredible perseverance. And never in all my days, and I'll tell you this, if you've been around here for 15 years, you would know this about me. Never in all of my days would I ever think I would utter these words, I love the sport of running. I never thought I would say that. I mean, it's kind of, it just seems weird even coming out of my mouth, okay, that I actually love it. I love all aspects of it. Man, I have fallen in love with this, uh, with, with this sport of, of running, and I've learned so much in the process of becoming a runner. My son Luke is on the cross-country team at Boswell. My daughter Trinity is on the cross-country team at Creekview Middle School. They're running already and, and kind of, you know, involved in that. And, and, and Randy's daughter, Allison, is, is, is running for, for Richland High School. So needless to say, I'm going to a lot of races these days. Not only ones that I just love to run myself, but I love, I love going to races and watching people run. I love it. I love going and cheering people on. And I'm not really very loud at other sporting events, although I love all kinds of sports and, 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 and I'm into sports in a big way. But I'm not really a loud kind of guy at sporting events, but I am a wild man out at the race. I'm just letting you know. When people are running, I turn into a freak out there. I'm a wild man. I'm running all over the place. I'm cheering people on. I get inspired. And now listen, I get a little bit inspired by the, the one who comes in first. I think that's awesome. A little bit in my heart hates him a little bit. Just being honest. No, I'm kidding. All right. But, but, but I, I get a little bit inspired by that. But let me tell you, I get really fired up watching the people who are at the end of the race who won't quit. I get so excited. I get emotional watching them. They're usually, whenever I'm going to cross-country meets, they're usually, usually are heavier kids. They're usually ones, and, and they don't care what anybody else thinks about them. They're, they're doing it to get in shape. They, they don't care. I get emotional watching them at the last race. I had tears welling up in my eyes. These last two guys that would not quit and would finish their race. And, man, I had to walk off and compose myself because I was so excited that they wouldn't give up. And they kept pressing through. And, and, and at, the, at that race, Hope said to me, as those kids, those heavier kids were finishing their race there, Hope said to me, she, she, and that's my wife, she said, uh, you love cheering for the chubby kids, don't you? <laughs> and, and she wasn't being ugly. She, she just said, you really love, I mean, because I get so excited for them. I even kind of joggle in them, and I love seeing other kids run alongside them, trying to cheer them on. Nobody makes fun of those kids. I noticed that. They get alongside them and they cheer them on. That's what I love about the race atmosphere. Is people are pulling for one another in the midst of their race. And Hope said, you, get, you love cheering for the chubby kids. And I said, as a former chubby kid myself, yes, I do. 
I get really excited for them. I love seeing that they are, are trying. I love seeing that they are persevering, that they are enduring, and, and that they are especially ones who might be a little heavier and their bodies aren't quite built like a Tanzanian runner. You know what I'm saying there? They're not made for it necessarily, but they still stick it out. And they put one foot in front of the other till they cross that finish line. And I just want to give you a little bit of perspective because some of you, some of you know, you've been here over the years. And so, you know, some of my battles with weight and my journey that I've been on and how it's been up and down throughout the years and how I just struggle with it so much. But a lot of people here are new in our church and you don't maybe quite know uh, my story, but, and I won't go into depth on the story, but, but I'm literally about half the man that I used to be, right? Some of you know that. Um, that's me there on the left with my brother-in-law. We're in Vietnam there. Um, that wasn't back when we were in Nam. That was when we were on a mission trip in Nam. Okay. Not that old, but, um, we were on a mission trip there in Vietnam. And that was at me at one of my heavier points in my life. I was over 300 pounds at that point and completely miserable, completely miserable and, and did not like myself and, and was very ashamed of, of what I had allowed to happen in my life there. And I'd always been an athlete and, and had always been involved, but, but, but anyhow, I felt very much trapped and felt like I'd never be able to achieve, you know, getting past that and moving into some, a, a new phase of my life. And if you want to hear more about that story of, of, of me kind of dealing with that, you can go on our website and listen to the, the sermon series called Trapped. It was a couple of years ago that we talked about that. I don't want to talk about that today. But, but I started off, I wanted to get back in shape because of some tragic circumstances that happened in our family. I didn't just want to, I needed to. My family needed me. They needed me to, my church needed me to be better than what I was. My family needed me to be better than what I was. And so I was inspired. I was inspired and God had been convicting me and been, had been, you know, just speaking to me about this, particularly in my life as it was just a, just a great, just setback for me in my life. And, and I was just struggling. I remember one day, whenever I think it dawned on me, I'm going to be a runner. I was in Willow Creek Park right down here close to where I live. And I was walking and kind of jogging and then mostly walking. And, uh, and I was just really heavy at that point. And, and, and my son, Luke, um, was jogging in the park there and he started about 15 minutes behind me, but he catches up to me, which that bothered me greatly. And he gets up close to me and he says, come on, slow poke. And I'm like, what did you just say? So uh, with all the maturity within me as an adult, at that point, I vowed, I will pummel that child in a race one day totally mature. I know, but I vowed with everything within me. I will catch you one day. Young Luke, I will catch you. Yes, I am your father and I will catch you. But he said, come on, slow poke. And by the way, later on, I caught up with him about six months later and ran by him and said, what do you think I said? Come on, slow poke. He was a little bit upset, but it was, it was worth it. It was worth every run I had gone on just for that. And so, and so that kind of like set something off inside of me that I'm going to do this. I can do this. I'm going to do this. And so do you know what I started doing? I started running and I started running and I started running and I continued running <laughs> and I've been running now for about two and a half years. And I set off with an attempt to run a 
to run a, a, a marathon, 26.2. And some of you, uh, Mark, back there, you kind of spurred me on to it, brother. You said, you can do it, man. He'd already done one. and was like, you can do it. And and, and so um, th- this is just kind of what's happened in the last two and a half years. I, I'm, I have to share it with you. I'm excited about it. I've, I've logged enough miles over the last two and a half years to have literally run across America. 2,300 to 2,500 miles. Bam! I love that, man. I started figuring that out going, I've run across America. I am gump. This is amazing. So I started with the desire to lose weight and to get in shape. And that shifted into starting to want to compete and maybe train a little more serious. And so um, back this uh, back this spring, I finished my first marathon and and uh, finished it in the time that I wanted to finish around uh, around three thirty seven was what I finished in. And and this is one of my one of my favorite pictures. Now, I don't like looking at any of the old pictures but this is one of this is a finisher's picture here. This is with my family, and they were all there at the end of the race, cheering me on. My mom and dad were there, cheering me on. My, uh, on. my, fa- my family was there. My, my wife, my kids, my sister-in-law, others were there, and they were cheering me on. And it was one of the most incredible experiences I've ever had in my life. I love this because I am competitive, and Trinity's just like me. This was Trinity's sign. I love that one. My dad's faster than your dad. That was my favorite sign. And Trinity was like, yeah, my daddy is fast. You know, what do you think about that? And I love that. But, but I love this. And, and I don't say this to say, look at what I've done. Here's what I want to say is anything is possible with God. Anything is possible. Running and finishing that race was, again, was unlike anything I've ever experienced. It was truly the hardest thing physically I've ever done. But I love the experience as a whole I've learned so much about my spiritual journey through running. I've learned so much about life, believe it or not, through running. Because it's so much like that. It's so, it, it can be so discouraging. It can be so difficult. It, can, it takes a lot of endurance and perseverance. It's a lot of ups and a lot of downs. And there are times where you don't feel like doing, doing it, but you've got to make yourself. And I mean, that's, that's kind of what life is like, Right? Well, this isn't my analogy. This analogy is all throughout the word of God. This analogy of life being this great race. And unfortunately, so many people never finish it strong. So many people don't finish well. And they get sidetracked. Some get distracted. Some of them disqualify themselves. Many get discouraged. They stop running their race. They sit down. They, they take a time out and they never, they never time back in. And they just kind of become purposeless. For one reason or another, many people die with so much unrealized potential. And without ever becoming everything that God has set out for them to become and for them to be. I'm talking not only physically, but also spiritually in their life. And they get so wrapped up in just the here and now that they don't see what God's wanting to do with them moving forward. And the, this is such an incredible tragedy when people don't realize the vision that God has for them in their life. And Paul spoke so much about our journey of faith being this race. Again, we're going to be in Hebrews, but in Acts chapter 20, Paul says this. He says, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may, read it with me, church, if only I may finish the what? Race. That I may finish the race. That I may complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given me. For Paul, that was taking Jesus to people all over the world without stopping, 
without letting even prison stop him as they placed him in prison for this. Paul said, I'm going to finish the race. Uh, My life's worth nothing to me. I just want to finish the task. At the end of his life, he writes this letter to Timothy, who is his young apprentice there, and, and he's trying to encourage Timothy. And, and, and Paul knows that he's, he's really in the last days of his life. He knows that he's about to be martyred for his faith. And he's, he's at this point in his life where, where he's paying for loving Jesus deeply with his life here. And he says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6, he says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. Verse 7, he says this, I have fought the good fight. Say it with me, church. I have what? I have finished the... It's a race. That's what he says. I finished the race, and I love this part, and I have what? Kept the faith. I kept pressing on. I know as we corporately go into this phase called go the distance vision of our church, we want to finish what God has called us to do, and we just see this next step as just another step. Just re, As we relocate, as we become more visible in our community, we just see it as a next step. But, but you know this morning what I've really felt more led to to do and in this series more led to do more than anything is to challenge all of us to focus first personally on our own spiritual journeys our individual spiritual journeys this summer we looked at being a healthy church but we really started with being a healthy christian what does that look like what does it look like to be a healthy believer healthy believers make up healthy churches so i want to ask you i want to start by asking you a very personal question this morning and it's something that that I'm praying that you will deal very honestly with. And you'll, you'll look at this question and, and you won't be offended by it, but that you'll really, just, you'll really just take a hard look at the question. And here is the question. How is your race going? How's this race that you're running spiritually? How is it going? Are, are, are you pressing forward? Or maybe you're in difficult times, but you're still moving forward. Or have you gotten sidetracked somehow? Are you off on some other course that really is, is not your purpose in life? How's your race going? Paul knew with certainty that he had fully completed what God had made him to do. So he said with this, and I love it. He said it with confidence. I have fought a good fight. He said, I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Man, I want to be able to say that. Don't you? Don't you want to be able to say that about your race in life? I finished the race. I never quit. I kept going even when things got difficult. And you know, Paul uses this language. He uses it often where he talks about it being a fight. He talks about it being a race. Do you know what that tells me? It tells me that the Christian life really can be quite a struggle. That's the terminology he uses. It takes discipline. If you're going to run your race well, it takes discipline. It takes tenacity. It takes perseverance. It it, it takes endurance. I want to be able to say I finished strong in my walk with Christ. Here's what I know, church. Anybody can start a race. Anybody can start. Champions are the ones who finish. And they finish strong. And they finish well. So how's your walk? Are you stuck somewhere? Are you feeling like you're on a treadmill and you're not making any progress? And I want to be able to say, I finished my race. It's a, it's a penetrating question when I really, when I really consider it, when I, when I answer it honestly. 
I really want to, to be able to, to face what the reality is of my spiritual walk. And really, that's what I had to do whenever I decided to change physically, was I had to own up and face to where I was at, actually at physically. And own that, and then determine that I'm gonna, I want to do something by God's grace moving forward. So Paul uses all kinds of analogies when he talks about the Christian faith or the the Christian walk. He talks about it as a soldier at certain points. He talks about it as a wrestler. He talks about it as a farmer and reaping and sowing and those kinds of things, sowing and reaping. And, And one of the descriptions that he uses the most is he uses this word race. He uses this terminology of it being a race. And you and I, we are runners in this race. As we start this journey today as a church, uh, coming out of the corral together, I want to I take you to a few different passages of Scripture about running our race, not only as a church, but more importantly for you, for you individually, as you finishing well, you running your race. Scripture says there's a right way. And it says there's a wrong way to run a race. And if you want to make it to the finish line, what Scripture is going to say, that if you want to make your life count, if you want to be able to stand before God in the winner's box one day, and, 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 and you're standing before God and say with, with great integrity, God, I did what you made me to do. And God says to you, well done, my good and faithful. That's a key word. Faithful what? Servant. Well done. You did what I called you to do. You, when it got hard, you stuck with it. You pressed through. You did the most important thing that matters in life. And do you know what that is? Loving God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And you know what the other one is? Loving people. Those are the most important things. It seems pretty simple. God realizes that we can be pretty simple people. It's simple to say. It's a little more difficult to do, right? Because we get sidetracked. And so I want to give you some principles that I find in Scripture, not only that I've learned just in my own running experiences, but what I really, what I want to point you to the principles that I find in Scripture. Look with me in Hebrews 12. Let me give you some context just very quickly. If you were to look in Hebrews chapter 11, the chapter before where we're going to read, What you would find in chapter 11 is the author of this great book. Some think it was Paul. Others do not. That doesn't really matter. It seems very Pauline in its writing. Um, but, But whoever the author was wrote about those who had come before him. Those who had become before those in their contemporary time. Who had carried the baton in this relay of faith. And they all had had incredible challenges and obstacles. They were persecuted for carrying this faith along in faithfulness. And they could have, and what this writer is going to say, they could have easily quit at any point. They could have given up in their, in their race and gotten discouraged and distracted. And, but instead, what you'll find, and this is what he's pointing to in chapter 11, they persevered. They remained faithful. They endured in their race in faithfulness. And the author of Hebrews was really trying to encourage these Hebrew believers, these Jewish believers, to keep on running. Why? Because these Hebrew believers were facing great persecution. And they were getting very discouraged. And they were wondering if God didn't love them. And some of them were walking away. And, and, and others were being tempted to give up and to quit and to walk away. And so he's going to point them to those who had come before them. And how, and how they kept pressing on. And so what chapter 11 is called is the Hall of Fame of Faith. 
or the Hall of Fame of Faithfulness. We don't have time to read it today, but you'll find, you'll find him pointing to people like Moses and Abraham and his faithfulness and Moses and his faithfulness. You'll find him pointing to, to Jacob and you'll find him pointing to, think of Joseph, think of his story and how he persevered. He's going to point to people like that and how they never quit. And now he's going to make a very strong appeal to these believers in Jerusalem to keep running their race hard. And he's like this coach who's coming up alongside them. He's like a wild man at a cross-country meet saying, you can do this. Don't give up. And here's what he's going to say in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, now whenever you see that word, you know that it's connecting it to everything that has come right before it. And now he's transitioning into a response to what you've just read about. What did he just tell them about? He just told them about all those who had come before them. Now he's saying, therefore, in light of all that is what he's saying. Since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of what? Faith. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the what church? The, the race that God has set before us. And now he's going to say, here's how you do it. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates. That's the one who begins it. And who perfects it, that word also translates finishes it, the one who begins it and finishes it. That's what it says, and this is rich. So let me give you some principles for running your race well. If you're going to run well, uh, you see this again, therefore, he's referring back to what they just heard about in all those who ran before them. Here's what you've got to do for starters. You've got you've to remember the ones that have run before us. We've got to reflect upon them. We can't ever forget them and forget the perseverance that they ran with. The author is saying, think about this huge crowd of witnesses. Those who have faithfully run before us. And you know what they're counting on? They are counting on you and I to run our race with the same kind of tenacity. They are counting on us to run our leg of the race faithfully. We are carrying on, so to speak, this great tradition so, uh, uh, of running just like they ran, uh, of doing things that Christians are, are called to do that matter the most. What? Loving God with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving people. That's why we started EVC. We wanted to love God with everything we've got, and we wanted to do that by loving people. And, and showing them the hope of Jesus Christ. He calls them a cloud of witnesses. They're witnesses not because they're presently necessarily witnessing all of our actions. They're not omniscient. They're not omnipresent. Okay, they can't be there. God is the only omniscient one. He's the only omnipresent one. But he's calling them this cloud of witnesses to indicate that it's almost like this, this stadium. And you're like that Tanzanian runner. And you're running the last leg. And you're, you're coming in. And they're cheering you on. And you see, just as that Tanzanian runner, as he was limping coming in, when they started cheering for him, what happened? He picked it up a little bit, didn't he? And he started going and he was going to finish that race. And, 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 and he's saying, just as they have gone before us, their life bore witness to the faithfulness that they had in God. And now it's our turn to bear witness to the faithfulness of God. 
And so I had this thought whenever I was thinking about this recently. When you look around at the world right now, man, it is easy to get distracted, is it not? It's easy to get distracted in your Christian faith. It's easy to get discouraged with all the horrible news that we hear every single day. The news just seems to get worse and worse, does it not? I mean, and we're here, you hear about all the horrific things that happen in, in the Middle East, and you're hearing about all those things, and you're watching how, how all of these things are, are coming to this boiling point, are they not? And you see all of these things that are happening in front of you. And it's, you know what it is? It is a scary time for people to be alive right now. And people all around us are very scared. Some of you may be scared. And, and people are scared and, and living in fear. And many people feel very hopeless. And, and, and you know, and, and I, I just want to hear, I want you to hear this. That just as God in his sovereignty picked Moses and Abraham and David and Joseph to bear witness in their generation. Now, church, you got to hear this, all right? He has picked you and he has picked me to bear witness to his faithfulness in this generation. Amen. He's not expecting Moses to do it in this generation. He's expecting you and me to do this in this generation. To be faithful, to run our part of the race, to bear witness to who God is People feel hopeless. They feel harassed. They, scripture says when Jesus looked on the crowds, he saw them as those who had no hope. And, he, and it says that he felt great compassion upon them. And that's why we started Eagles View. Because we, we see that people are hopeless without Jesus Christ. There is no hope apart from Christ. Amen? There's nothing. And so we need Christ in our lives. We need Christ and we need to bear witness of him to others. God has picked us to do this in this generation. And if we don't run faithfully, I just have a big question. Who will? Who will? It's up to us. He picked us to do this. I don't know about you, but I feel whenever I really reflect upon that, I feel great responsibility that comes with that. Do you feel that? I feel responsibility that I recognize my life is so much more than just about myself. But instead, I'm carrying this baton of faith, this great tradition of faith that's been passed off to me. And, and I want to run faithful. And we consider those who have run before us. We learn from them. We persevere like them. We, we never quit or get sidetracked. Or if we do get sidetracked, we repent and we we get up and we start running again. It's our appointed turn. Who will be found faithful? Will we be as those who've come before us? We run as individuals, but I want to tell you something. It's also our time as a church. It's our time as a church to step out in faithfulness. Our community needs Jesus. Amen. I met with a pastor this week and we were having coffee together and we were talking about things and He's a church planter, and, and I planted a church, and we were just really, we both grew up in this community, and we were both lamenting how much our community needs Christ. And that we, as a lot of churches, have got to start working together better at reaching our communities and not seeing one another as competition, but recognizing we're all on the same team and we're all running together. And we need to be sure that we're reaching people for Christ together. And we just, we just felt this great burden together. And the reason we're going through all of this uncomfortableness of the transition of a new location, it'd get easy just to, be, just to settle in and say, this is all we're going to do. This is all we were ever made to do. 
The reason that we're doing this is because we realize God's calling us to press out and take Jesus to more people that need him. And, and, and we don't want to just be comfortable. This isn't about becoming a bigger church. This isn't about becoming, we don't care about that. We want people to know Christ. We want people to have the hope of Jesus Christ. And that's why we're doing what we're doing. And, and, and it's not about us. It's going to take faith. It's going to take endurance when things get difficult and challenging. It's going to take focus to be sure that as we're doing what we're doing as a church, that we keep the main thing the main thing. Because churches easily get sidetracked. And they start focusing in on minor things rather than majoring in the major, which is loving God and loving people. So I've got to remember those who've come before me. I've got to consider how they've run. And then he says, and strip off every weight, every weight. Now, this weight that he's talking about is not necessarily sin. It could be, but in this, it just could be something that slows you down. It could be an encumbrance. In fact, when they would get ready to start a race, they would wear these long robes or whatever. And those who were going to run back in this day, they would take their robe and they would kind of cinch it up to where their legs wouldn't be encumbered as they were going to be running. Okay, and he's saying he's saying strip off the weight that slows you down, especially now he is going to say here, especially the sin. So there can be sin that slows you down as well. And so here's what I got to do if I'm going to run well, I've got to remove distractions. I've got to remove distractions. I have to stay focused. I don't know about you, but, but I can easily be weighted down with distractions in my life. I, I have this, this uh, interesting ability, and I don't know, this may be just an age thing. I hope it's just an age thing. But I can walk into a room and completely forget what I walked in the room to get. Does anybody else do that? Okay, all right. Thank you that I'm not the only one, all right? I will walk in a room, and I'll be like, why did I come in here? What am I doing? I'll even ask somebody, do you know why I came in here? They're like, I have no idea. All right. And, and I'll walk in and I'll be like, you know, and so I, I'll think when I'm in the other room, I need to go do this in the other room here. And I'll set out for that room to accomplish my purpose. And then, boom, I see something else or someone says something to me and I get sidetracked and distracted. And the next thing you know, I'm scratching my bald head going, I don't even remember why I came in here. I guess I'll remember it later or whatever. I send myself texts and emails to remember things. Do y'all do that as well? Okay. You know, I, I'm texting myself. Remember this because I, I, I forget things. I get distracted and, you know, I probably was going into that room to take my, to take my ginkgo biloba so I could remember, you know, but I forget to do it. And, and, and distractions can prevent us from fulfilling our purpose. The author of Hebrews asserts that there are encumbrances. There are distractions, there are weights, there can be things that aren't necessarily sinful, but there also can be sins that are in our life that prevent us from running well. Do you get sidetracked in your spiritual walk? Be honest about that. Distractions are part of life. I think it, the enemy works really, really hard to distract us and to get our eyes off of Jesus. He really works hard at, at distracting us with things of uh, of, of, you know, distracting us from loving Christ with all of our hearts. And he works hard at keeping us from loving people. We have so many things in this culture that are vying for our attention that we forget what's really important, you know, that, it, that we're really called to walk in deep fellowship with God. And that's what matters more than anything else in your life as a believer. Loving God deeply, not going through the motions, but really walking with him. 
greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second one is loving your neighbor the way that you love yourself. That's what Jesus said, right? That's important. Let me give you some characteristics that are just some, some things that I really think that, that typically can begin to crowd in and get us distracted and from this faithfulness in our life. If I'm going to run effectively, I have to deal with the distractions. I have to see what it is that slows me down and deal with that honestly. Here's what it is for some people. It's, it's going through hardships and trials. And that's what the context was for these Hebrew believers. They were getting sidetracked and they were getting really discouraged and, and this was even perhaps the sin that they were entering into was a lack of faithfulness. And so some of us, we can get really sidetracked and we can get discouraged and we can stop running our race. Let me ask you just a pointed question. Are you discouraged this morning? Are you one of the discouraged ones? That's not to beat you up. That's just to get you to begin dealing with it. Are you discouraged? And we all get discouraged. I battle discouragement on a regular basis, and I have to, I'm going to show you some things that I do to help me when I'm battling discouragement. What else can get us sidetracked? Opinions of other people. And other people will try to tell you how to run your race, right? They will prescribe for you, this is what you should be doing. And you've got to run the race that God has set out before you. But other people, uh, criticism from others, preoccupation with material things in this world can, can dis- distract you in your race. We can get so wrapped up in stuff right now that we forget to love God and we forget to love people, right? Jesus himself said, you cannot serve two masters. You will love one and you will hate the other. You can't do it. He's not saying that money is wrong. He's just saying that money can't be your master and Jesus still be your master. Jesus has got to be the master first and then you be master over the money. But so many of us, our stuff matters more than it. We get sidetracked in just living life about our stuff. For some of us, it's a secret sin that we're in denial about. A a huge distraction for me was, again, and I confess this, I, I struggle with an addiction to food. I really do, and I have to deal with this on a regular basis. I confessed that before you a couple of years ago, that that's, that's where I, whenever I am tempted uh, or whenever I'm stressed, whenever I'm happy, it doesn't matter. I, I want to self-medicate with food. Some of you relate to that. Some of you have no clue what I'm even talking about there. For you, it's something else. So what might it be for you? It could be some kind of addiction in your life that so easily entangles us. It trips us up. It derails our race. A good hobby can even distract you. There's nothing wrong with having hobbies, but whenever they become the focus of your life, it ends up derailing your main mission, which is loving God and loving people. The wrong kind of friends can derail you. General busyness can, can derail you. I know this, that we can get so busy that we neglect the most important things. And next thing you wake up and it's been a week since you've spent any time with God. Am I talking to the right people? Because we live in a busy culture. So you've got to determine what it is, right? As a pastor, do you know what I find? is probably one of the biggest things for most people that has derailed them in their race. Are you ready for what it is? It's something in their past. Either that has them unable to get past the guilt that they carry with themselves, and they can't ever let it go, and so they continue to beat themselves up, and they've not fully realized and actualized the grace of Jesus Christ in their life, and so they keep beating themselves up, although Jesus has forgiven them completely, Here's another thing. They are carrying a grudge against somebody. 
And all they're doing is looking back on what has happened in their past. And they're looking back. And they c- you cannot run a race going forward only looking backwards. Can't do it. So here's what you've got to determine to do. You've got to determine to start moving forward. Whether you're walking, whether you're running, just moving forward like the Tanzanian runner. Even if you're limping along, you're moving forward. Amen? You're moving forward with tenacity. You've got to, you know, when I run, every now and then, especially if I'm in a race, I might glance back behind me. But here's, I don't just only look at the finish line only because that can get discouraging because you see how far away it is. But you catch a glimpse of the finish line. And then you also got to be aware of your surroundings, but you can't be so caught up in your in your surroundings right in front of you or you'll run the wrong course. You got to catch a glimpse out ahead of you as well. You got to have your head on a swivel. You want to look behind you every now and then and remember where you've come from, but you don't want to dwell there. You want to look out ahead, but you also got to be aware around you so you're just learning in all kinds of ways, taking it all in. But you're still moving forward. So you've got you to let go of the guilt. You've got to let go of bitterness. You've got to release the past to be able to move forward. i got a word for some of you today. Here's what it is, all right? Isaiah 43. I felt really strong to share this verse with you. This is going to speak to some, somebody in a big way today. Here's what it says. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing what? A new thing. God wants to do something new in you. You can't dwell on it. You got you to gotta look forward. You got to look forward. Paul could have dwelt upon his past. He was basically a religious terrorist, but this is what Paul ends up saying in Philippians chapter 3. He, he, Paul could have just got stuck in his past because he had, a, he had done some horrible things. And a lot of people had hurt him as well. But look at what he says. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. And so Paul, one of the greatest Christians to have ever lived, said, I have not arrived. I'm going to still keep pressing forward. I'm not perfect. But he did say this. But I focus on this one thing. Now look at what he says. Let it speak to you. Forgetting the past and doing what? Looking forward. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Look at what he says. I press on to reach the end of the, what's the word? Race. To reach the end of the race. And I receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. If you're going to run like a champion, if you're going to run and finish well, you've got to determine what has you sidetracked. And then you've got to begin to deal with it. You've got to begin to deal with it. It could be busyness, it could be some sin, it could be an unforgiving heart who's from someone who has hurt you, it could be guilt, it could be preoccupation with material things and money. Churches get sidetracked in running their races. Some of you are like, I- I'm scared, Bart, as we're, as we're growing more, that we're going to lose this culture that we all love so much. And I said this to our leaders the other night, and I want to say it to all of us. Yes, people love coming to EBC. And you know why? Because we keep it real here, and we try to be transparent. We don't have it all together. As a pastor, I don't have it all together. I've got a lot of flaws in my life. But here's the thing. If you love the culture so much here at EBC, you must work with me to be sure we preserve it. No matter how much we grow, you preserve that culture. You work hard at that. You keep the main thing, the main thing. And we run the race God set before us. Here's another thing. Whenever, I, if I'm going to run well, I have to remember the reason and the reward. 
when I'm starting to get discouraged, I have to re- remember the reason. A lot, of, a lot of people get discouraged because they don't really feel like they have a reason in their life. They don't feel like they have a purpose. And so people are discouraged and depressed. They have no reason. They don't feel like they have a reason to live. And, and, and you know, and they think that, that, that basically life consists of just going to work, coming home, eating dinner, watching TV, going to sleep, going to work. And that's all that life is about. That's a part of life. Those are activities of life. But that's not the reason of life. Your reason is to bring glory to God in everything that you do. And to run your race in that manner. And you have to ask, why am I doing this? And if you have no reason or purpose in life, then you're, then you're going to give up and you're going to get discouraged. And, and, and I've shared with, with, with you very transparently about my battles with discouragement. And there have been a lot of times over these last 15 years that I've really wanted to quit. Most of them are on Monday mornings <laughs> where I'm just like, you know, I, just, I can't do this anymore. But whenever I start feeling discouraged, this is what I've, I've learned to do. And I want to I give this to you if you're feeling discouraged today. Here's what I've, I've learned to do. And if I'm not doing it and I'm discouraged and I need so, someone to speak into my life, remember what you said. Here's what I have to do. I have to, rem- I have to remember that my purpose comes from God, not from other people. My purpose and my calling comes from God. So if you're discouraged this morning, you need to, you need to find that eternal motivation, that internal motivation with God. Uh, I remember my purpose comes from God. If God gives you something to do, he's going to equip you to do it. This is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians. Therefore, he says, having this ministry by the mercy of God. And I recognize that. This ministry of EBC is by the mercy of God. The ministry that you have in your own life is by the mercy of God. Look at what he says. As a result of that, we do not lose heart. So I I have to remember that my calling is from God. It's not from people. I also realize I'm going to be rewarded someday that God rewards faithfulness. Look at what Paul says again. Don't you realize... He says that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to, what does he say? Win. He says, run to win. Paul would have been a heck of a coach. Run to win. All athletes, he says, are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. This prize in this world is temporary. The rewards in this world are not going to last. He says, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run, I love this, I run with purpose, he says, in every step. Purpose in every day. Purpose in every time you go to work, there's purpose in it. Are you following me? It's not just your purpose is only on Sunday mornings. Purpose in everything you're doing because you are a believer of Jesus Christ. Believer in him, you represent him, there is purpose. I am not just shadow boxing, he says. I discipline my body like an athlete, which means you're going to have to do it even when you don't feel like it. Training it to do what it should. He's saying the rewards on this earth, they don't last, so you've got to start thinking eternally. Here's the final thing right here, okay? If I'm going to run well, then I've got to resist discouragement whenever it comes my way. And it is going to come your way because some some of you are discouraged this morning. But Paul says, this is what you do whenever you're feeling discouraged. This is what he was telling these Hebrew believers to do. He said, so let us run with endurance, which indicates that it's going to be difficult. The race that God has set before us, and he's going to say this in verse 2. We do this by what? Keeping our eyes on Jesus. A lot of times when we get discouraged, it's because we are focused in 
on, on the temporary situation. He's saying, no, I've got to get my eyes on Jesus, the one who, the champion who initiates, he starts it, and the one who perfects it, he's the one who finishes this. So the key to endurance, here's what it is, it's perspective. The key to endurance is perspective. Live your life in light of eternity. I resist discouragement by doing these things. I remember God's goodness yesterday. I remember God's presence today. And I remember his faithfulness and God's promises for tomorrow. That's what I have to do. I don't need to be discouraged. I don't need to be distracted. The Bible says I can resist it. And he says I do that by fixing my eyes on Jesus the one who started the faith and the one who finished it. I think of Jesus on the cross. What did he say when he was on the cross? He finished it. Then he said, it is finished. And he's our example. It is finished. Here's the last thing I want to leave you with. Champions are this. Champions are really, this is what we find to be true, are really most of the time just ordinary people with an extraordinary amount of determination. That's typically when you find people that are champions is they just have an extraordinary tenacity where they will not quit. I'm sure in a crowd this size this morning, there's some of you that are discouraged. You need to, you need to know this, that the Lord loves you and that he's with you and whatever it is you're dealing with. And maybe, may, maybe things aren't working out with one of your kids right now and you're just really discouraged about that. And, and you're, you're afraid, and, and I understand that. Some of you, maybe it's about your marriage, and you're discouraged. Maybe it's not what you thought it was going to be, and you feel disappointed in something in your marriage, and you feel hopeless about something. Maybe for some of you, it's, it's, it's a job-related situation. Some of you, it could be your health, and you're discouraged about that. It could be financial. I don't know what it is, but I know people get discouraged about all kinds of different things, and I battle with it as well, but here's what I've learned in my own life, okay? And I want to say this to you with, with all the love in the world, but I want to say it to you almost as kind of a coach, like, like the writer of Hebrews was saying. When I am discouraged, it's because I choose to be. I'm not saying that you can change all of your circumstances, because a lot of times we just can't. Sometimes you just can't change the circumstances. But, but when I am discouraged, it's because I choose to focus on the situation rather than on the faithfulness of God. What did he say to do? Fix your eyes on Jesus. When I get discouraged, it's because I keep rehearsing discouraging thoughts in my, in my mind over and over. When I get discouraged, it's because I'm choosing to be discouraged. I'm not saying I don't have something to be discouraged about. But it's because I choose to live with that kind of response. You can't change your circumstances always, but you certainly can affect your response. We see that happening all throughout history and scriptures. Paul said, I have finished the race. What about you? Can we pray together? Let's pray. What is it that's holding you back? What's distracting? Are you discouraged? All things are possible with God. Just like that runner in the 68 Olympics. He 
get up and you start running your race. There's a huge crowd of witnesses that has gone before us and they've been through some terrible, terrible things, but they remain faithful. And we are called to that same kind of faithfulness. We want to stand before our Savior one day and say, God, I finished my race. I finished what you called me on earth to do. God, your love changed everything within me. You gave me the ability to persevere. And just begin to imagine the God of the universe, the Savior of your life, who's changed everything in your life, being able to look upon you and say this, well done, my good and what? Faithful servant. You finished. You didn't quit. Would you just begin to pray this now? Father, I realize that you made me for a great purpose, and that's to bring glory to your name. You have a race for me to run. Help me to focus on Jesus, the author and perfecter of my faith. Lord Jesus, I want my life to count for you. Would you tell him that? Lord, we want our church to count for you. If you're distracted by something now, begin to talk to him about that right now. Ask him to show you if there's something that's slowing you down in your race. Maybe you need to confess that to him. Ask him for help to get back up and to start running again. You're not alone. He said he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He's running along with you. There's a great cloud of witnesses that's gone before us. And they are cheering us on. It's our turn to run. If you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ... Right now is the time to call upon him to be your savior. Jesus loves you. He died for you. And he wants to offer you eternal life. It's a free gift. It cost him his life though. If you believe on him in faith, Jesus Christ will save you. And he wants you to run a race for him. Reflecting his glory. Thank you, Lord, for finishing strong finished on the cross. And Lord, we want to run our race and we want to finish strong as well. I pray these things, Lord, in the wonderful name of Jesus. Encourage your people today. Encourage those who are discouraged, Lord. We pray this in the name of Jesus, our Savior. With all God's people said together today, we said, amen. God bless you. Pastor Randy.